Welcome to Family Church Podcast. From wherever you're listening, we thank you for joining us. If you missed our family gathering this week, we missed you, and we hope that you enjoy this week's message. Uh, I just want to start by saying uh, you've been prayed for. Uh, we didn't know your face. We didn't know your name. Uh, we didn't know who would be here today. Uh, a lot of church planners say they, they get nervous the night before because they're going, is anybody going to show up, right? Like, uh, fearful and nervous of that, but we're, we're excited that, um, that you've given us a chance, and you, your kids, or many of the kids, I walked through the hallway before I came in here, just seeing those rooms full is exciting, and knowing that they're being taught about Jesus, and they're going to learn about the things of God, um, but we are excited about what, what God told us to call family church. Uh, we believe that that is a biblical thing, uh, that as followers of Christ, we have the same Father, right? And we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and because of that, we are bound together as a family, and the family is generational. Uh, you know, what's funny is, is, I guess, being a younger pastor, many people said, was well, this church only for young people, right? And uh, what's awesome is I look in the room, and I see multiple generations represented here today. That's the church. That's the church. The church was never intended just to be a group of young people gathering together, a group of older people gathering together. The church is meant to be generational, and we're excited uh, that we get to be a part of this. Um, I also want to say, uh, and I'm encouraged that there's some seats open, and we tried to start with two services just because as some of our kids' registrations came in, we were, we were like, all right, we gotta make, we got to figure out how to make room for people. Um, we didn't know what the response would be, and we know that some of you may here be, to, be here today just to support us, right, to, to, to encourage us with, uh, uh, as we, we step on in this endeavor. And so uh, we want you to know uh, that we began the process of, of trying to figure out a, a larger space that we could maybe gather in. Uh, we also know with COVID and, and stuff like that that some people are a little bit uneasy coming into smaller rooms. And so uh, we are in the process of looking. But if you've been in Sumterville very much, you will come to find out that's really hard uh, to find a space. And so uh, our heart is kind of just to be in the central area of the county to be accessible uh, for the north and the south end. Uh, we want this to be a place of unity. Um, I believe I moved here eight and a half years ago. I'm going to share a little about that in a second. And, uh, man, I, I realized that it seems like at one point the county was divided north and south. And then all of a sudden, everybody united, and they're against the villages now. So uh, that's kind of kind of the picture that I get. So here's my heart. Uh, I, I'm not from here. Uh, I moved from a different place. I'm thankful for the growth of the villages. There's jobs there. There's people that can stay here and work, um, and there's opportunity. I know that things change, and sometimes we don't like change. Uh, but blessed be the name of the Lord. The harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. God's moving people into this community that we get the opportunity to reach. And so... We chose Sumterville, I should say God chose Sumterville, and central Sumter County to be a place to where we could reach into the south end, the north end, the village's end, Lake Pan end, whatever end you want to be on, and say, hey, God, what can we do to be a place of unity and to reach Sumter County? So I, I had the privilege of moving here eight and a half years ago to a place called Wildwood, a place called Sumter County that I'll be fully honest with you, I didn't know a whole lot about. All right. When, we, when, when God told us to move here, we, we didn't know what to expect. Uh, we had been to Wildwood a few times to preach, and uh, we, we were on a journey. But I had moved, and my wife actually had moved a few times before this, so we, it wasn't unfamiliar to us, right? We, uh, we, we, I had grew up, in, or I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. We moved to Jacksonville, Florida, then to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and back to Jacksonville, Florida, all before I was in fourth grade. 
Um, and so there was a whole lot. There was a life change. My parents had got a divorce, and we were figuring stuff out. My mom had got remarried. And so it was a, there was a whole lot of transition for me. So as a young kid, man, I, I learned how to move and make new friends, right? And I learned the process because I remember there was three years in a row that I started Pop Warner football and never got to play a, a, a down. We got to practice every practice. That was miserable, right? You practice to get to play. You don't practice just for fun, right? And so I never got to play a, a, a down in a game because it was time for us to move, and God would move us to a different place. But as I look back on that, I believe that God put us in those places for a sp- specific purpose. Uh, I remember as a, as a young kid in Colorado Springs uh, watching my stepdad, who's here today hanging out, um, at 40-something years old get baptized, um, and trust in Jesus Christ. I mean, that was, that was a powerful moment, right? And if, if God moved us to Colorado for a year for him to get saved, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? I remember moving to Jacksonville, Florida, and my, my grandparents uh, from my biological father were here this week, and uh, I'm, excuse me, moving from Memphis, Tennessee, and, and I told them this week, I said, hey, I love y'all, and I wish I was closer to family sometimes, but I'm so glad that I moved, right? Like, I'm so glad that God got me out of that because there, there was an endless cycle there when the area that we lived in with people who grow up and they're farmers, nothing wrong with that, but they're also people who struggle with, with alcoholism. And so my dad is one of them. And, and, and so he, my, and my, my dad or my grandpa actually told me, he said, it hurt to see you leave, but we're glad that God moved you from here. So I look back on those times that God's transitioned us, this being one of them, and I recognize that every single time, man, there was a purpose. God had a reason for it. There was a, there was a, there was a motive behind it. And so though moving can be difficult sometimes, and some of you may be unfamiliar with moving, right? Some of you are already planning to move in the next year or so, and you're like, I'm already not, already not looking forward to it, right? The packing of the boxes is just one one facet of it, there's that moving into a new community, figuring out where the kids are going to go to school. It's the, the, the navigating where you're going to work and, and how you're going to get there and what your commute going to look like. Though those things can be difficult, I believe that God oftentimes moves us for a purpose. And sometimes we have to look for that. We have to figure out why God has us there. So today, if you have your Bible, if you would, join me in the book of Jeremiah. We're going to look at how God moved people where he wanted them for a purpose. If you don't have your Bible to be on the screen, if you're a digital person and you like to use your phone or your iPad, if you use the YouVersion Bible app, Randy will throw a little slide up there for you. It looks just like this. Um, it's the app. You can download that. If you go to the bottom right-hand corner, there's like three little lines, and then you can hit events, and each week Family Church will have one in there. I try to make it easy for you so you don't have to flip around where we're going. It's every, all the scriptures just in order, all right, and you can take notes even as you go. And there's some announcements, right? I know. Changed your life. Um, so, so we would love for you to connect with us on there if, 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 that's, if that's the platform which you read the Bible. Coming to the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, we need to know a little bit of context of what's going on. What's, what's taking place here? Who's Jeremiah? See, Jeremiah was a prophet. Uh, prophets a lot. We hear a lot about a lot of prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, prophets were just a, a name for people who were messengers of God. So God would call out somebody and he would anoint them. He said, look, you're going to be my messenger. You're going to be my voice to my people. And so that was Jeremiah's role. But the problem is, is that was a hard role because the Israelites were stubborn. Right? You look in the Old Testament, there was this endless cycle that took place. They would walk with the Lord, they would be disobedient, they would fall away from God, they would, they, they would face the punishment of that, they would be restored, they would walk with the Lord, and it was just constantly, continually, all the way from Genesis, and guess what? 
His people are still doing the same thing today, right? That's a cycle that happens in my life, right? I feel that I stumble and I fall, and all of a sudden I find myself kind of in a wilderness place and, and, and seek the Lord and, and restored. And then guess what? A few weeks later down the road, right, I stumble and I fall. And so that's the reality. God's people haven't changed. So that's why I believe that, that this message is, is, is relevant for us today. But the problem was is that the, the, the Israelites were being moved to Babylon. They were being transplanted there, and it was because of their disobedience, right? There's no, no, no way around it. They had been disobedient to the law. They hadn't done what God had desired for them to do, and so God said, okay, if this is how it's going to, this is going to how it's work, we're, we're going to move you. And he took them from the promised land that was Israel, Jerusalem, and he moved them to Babylon. Babylon was the world power at that time. But the problem was as they were moving and transitioning, there were some people that said, hey, some false prophets is what they're called in Scripture. He said, hey, guess what? This is going to be a temporary stay. Like, don't settle in. Don't think we're going to be here for a while. Like, this is going to be over before we know it. But what we see today is Jeremiah, the messenger that God had sent to them, said, "Mm, be careful with that. Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7, it says this. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles. I deported you from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city that I've deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. I want to start in verse 4. Randy's going to throw that back up on the screen for us. But we see that this, this reality. So as Jeremiah began to speak on behalf of the Lord, there was this, this, this message that was communicated that probably shocked the Israelites. See, all along, they believed that this was the Babylon's fault, right? They were, they were, they were pointing it to them. They are like, this is the reason that we're in exile. This is the reason that we're struggling. This is the reason that we're having to leave our homes, and our homes have been destroyed to go to Babylon, was because of them. But there was a reality that hit them in this moment as Jeremiah began to speak, that though the Babylons were the ones that did it, God is the one that allowed it to happen. And they're going, what? Right, they're, they're, they're stepping back saying, Hold on. But the reality is, is God has a purpose in the displacement of his people. As this time of exile was a result of their unfaithfulness, right? Their disobedience, them not following the Lord. And God oftentimes uses to use difficult situations for our good, right? What happens to us isn't by chance, though sometimes we think it is or try to try to believe that it is. Oftentimes it's for our purpose and for his glory. We get another glimpse of this when we look at the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told them as he was ascending into heaven, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So God had done his work at this point in Scripture. Jesus had died on the cross, and he was ascending to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit was about to come and dwell on the, on the believers. And he instructs them, and he tells them, he says, Listen. I want you to go. I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to go to the next town over. I want you to go into your community, and I want you to point people to me. Now, the church, unknowns to them, they were were disobedient because what, what happened was is they got comfortable and they got content with where they were that they said, okay, Jerusalem's home. We'll just be faithful in Jerusalem. We'll let somebody else figure out the other places. But all of a sudden, we see in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, that God would use persecution just as he would use an exile 
in the Old Testament to draw his, their attention and affection back to him, God would use persecution through Saul in Acts chapter 8. It said this, Saul agreed with putting him to death, and on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house and drag off men and women and put them in prison so that those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. So what I want to communicate here is that God can use anything. He can use anything to move us to do what he desires for us to do. He can do you can use anything to move us to do what his purpose is for our life what his desires are for our life. If you look at Acts 1, verse 8 again, Randy's going to throw it up on the screen, we see that it says, you will be my witnesses, and it names off these places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, in the ends of the earth. But then we move to Acts chapter 8, and we were, if we were to reread that, we would notice in this that in verse uh, 1, at the end of verse 1, it says, all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Tell me God didn't use persecution for a purpose. Where they were content with staying in Jerusalem, God said, no, 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 no. That's not what I commanded you. I've given you time to figure out how you're going to use your life and how you're going to use your platform and what you're going to do in this community. Now I'm moving you to these places that I've already commanded you to go. I'm moving you to these places that I've already told you that I want you to take the good news to. But look at verse 4 in Acts chapter 8. This is amazing to me. It says, as they were scattered, they went on their way. Can somebody help me this morning? Preaching the word right? All that means is sharing the gospel. So God said, hey, I want to move you. I want you to go to to the ends of the earth. I want you to go to Judea and Samaria. I want you to move to these places. And they're going, nah, we're good. We're comfortable. We're content. We're not going to, somebody else will do it. I'm sure somebody else will do it. And God says, okay, if that's how it's going to work, then here's how we're going to play this game. And God allowed persecution to happen he could have stood in the way. He could have stayed in that gap. I tell people all the time that people say, oh, well, you know, Jesus, Jesus was on the cross for me. Yes, he was, but guess what? He could have got off the cross. He's Jesus. He could have easily got off the cross, but he chose to stay on the cross. And so God allows things to happen sometimes that are for our good. Jesus, his son dying, was for our good so that that would be a way that we could have a relationship with him. And so when, when we get back into the Jeremiah portion, we see that this was a reality for them that some of them hadn't understood, that God had allowed this to happen, that they were being sent into exile. They were being sent to Babylon, not because uh, uh, they chose to, but because of their disobedience and because God said, do it, because this is the way that my kingdom will multiply. This is the way that, that I will be made known to the nations. This is my way of gaining my people's affection and love and commitment to me. And so God would use this time spent away from their homeland for a purpose. We look at verses 5 through 6, and it says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may, may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. If you remember what I said earlier, there were some false prophets who were, who were given word to say, Hey, guess what? We're not going to be here long. Don't get comfortable don't be content. We're not going to be in this place long. We're going to be back home before you know it. But the reality was, as Jeremiah began to speak on behalf of the Lord, Jeremiah told them and began to give them some instructions. And he said, build houses, plant gardens, find wives, find husbands, have babies, raise families, right? Marry them off. Like he begins to give instructions. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, like building houses and 
And, and planting gardens can maybe done in a temporary season, but the, all the other stuff, like have babies and marry people off, we know that that's like a generational thing. Like that's not something that happens in a year. It's not something that happens in two years. That that happens over a season of life. And so we see that this debunked the whole idea that this was going to be a temporary stay. We see in Scripture that this, this exile lasted up to close to 70 years. That's multiple generations. You look at the book of Nehemiah in Scripture in the Old Testament, when he went back to rebuild the walls, it's very likely that Nehemiah was born in the exile and had never been back to Jerusalem until God called him back to do that work. That's the picture of what was taking place as we read in Jeremiah. And so God had this purpose, right? And, and, and this, would, this message would have, would have been shocking for them to hear, but God's desire for his, his people has always been this. And if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, please hear this. His desire for his people has always been that they would be light amongst the nations. This didn't start when the church happened. This, this was happening in the Old Testament, that there were people groups around them. And oftentimes, the disobedience that the Israelites fell into is they began to look like the other nations around them rather than living out God's desires and plans for their lives so that the world would say there's something different about those people. And so we see in Jeremiah that, that God was sending them there for a purpose. He was sending them there for a reason. And he tells them in the end of this, he says, he would desire for his people in a foreign land to make himself known and to multiply, right? Be fruitful and multiply. That's a passage that we see in Genesis that we often equate to growing our families. But God meant so much more than just growing our families. When God said be fruitful and multiply, he wanted the kingdom to grow. He wanted his people to grow. He wanted, he wanted them to reach the nations, to reach the world. And I believe that this is what's taking place in here, is that when God was sending his people to Babylon, he was moving them to a new place in a different country, and their homes were destroyed, and he was moving there to say, be light. Don't decrease, but multiply. Increase in that place. I want you to come out of that, and when it's my time and I'm ready to send you back home, I want there to be more people that trust in Yahweh than when you came there because of just simply you living in that place. Right? There wasn't anything extraordinary about building houses and planting gardens and having relationships and marrying your kids off. There's nothing extraordinary. He's just saying, saturate yourself in the community. Where you live, be light. That's where God's placed you for a purpose. And then in verse 7, he says this. He says, pursue the well-being of the city that I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. Pray for the well-being of the city, for when it thrives, you will thrive. We see that, that God commanded to, to, the, the exiles to seek the well-being of the city. The, the God of this city, the last song that we sang was a, is a song that is, is an oldie, is what I would call it. Um, and it's not one that's maybe on radio anymore. But it's a song that is really dear to my heart because I believe that that's what God's desire is, is for us to make him known in the city. Now, if we could reword it in our context, probably county would fit a little bit better. Um, but, but the reality is, is that, that that's, that's what God's desires, is that he would be made known in, a, in the communities in which we live in simply by us living there. Simply because he moved us to Webster and he moved us to Bushnell and he moved us to, to Center Hill and he moved us to Wildwood and Oxford and Lake Pan and Sumterville. Because we live there, that, that's how he wants to reach 
the world. And so when he told them to seek the welfare of the city, this was probably the hardest thing to do on this list for the Israelites. They, they probably wrestled with the idea that God had sent them there. Build houses, plant gardens, they were, that, that's, that's, that's going to come natural to them. But these were the people that I remind you destroyed their city, stole stuff from their homes, ushered them like cattle, in a sense, back to Babylon. And so they were supposed to seek the welfare of these people. That'd be a difficult thing to do, right? To love people who don't love you, to care about people that don't care about you. And this would, this would be the hardest thing for them. Matthew 5, 43 through 48, Jesus says, you've heard it this way. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he causes his sun to rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus, when he said this, oftentimes his people, we, we look for loopholes, right? We want to figure out a way around the, the, the hard stuff. Well, early church did the same thing. And there's this tendency, this, this mindset of, okay, I'm just supposed to love my neighbor. And if I love my neighbor, then, then, then I'm doing the right thing, but I don't have to love my enemies. But Jesus, Jesus says, no, 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 no. I, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those people. This was God's heart all along, right? Because we're seeing the Old Testament that he's saying, seek the welfare of the city, pray for those people. And then in the New Testament, we, we get this picture of, 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 of Jesus saying, no, 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 that's not the way that I want you to live your life. I don't want you to love the people that love you and hate the people that hate you. No, I want you to love the world. I want you to love the people around you, the people that don't believe the same way that you do, the people that don't look the same way that you do, the people that, that smell different, act different, talk different. You love those people because that's what God desires. That's a whole lot easier said than done, amen? It's a whole lot easier said than done because you get things that get under your skin and you get offended easily or you get hurt easily. And our reaction, because it's our sin nature, is to react aggressively or with words or with hate or with strong feelings. But God says, no, my people will not be known by their hate for one another. He says, they'll be known by their love for one another. And I believe that that's what God is communicating to the Israelites. He's saying, I'm sending you there to love the people that didn't love you. I'm sending you there to, to love the people that think different and act different and talk different and live different than you do. Because my hope is that through your love and through you seeking the welfare of the city, that God would use that to reach the city. And he would. That's why he said multiply there. Here, here's how you multiply. Don't decrease. This is how you multiply, by seeking the welfare of the city. God was instructing them to be light in Babylon because they had been there, they had been sent there, and God sent them there for a purpose. How does this apply to us today? I think that that's an important question to ask. Each of us got to Sumter County in a different way. And if you're not here, if you're not from Sumter County, you don't live in Sumter County, um, the message is still for you. Adapt it to your context. Right, and here's the deal. Reality is, is maybe some of you have wrestled with this. You weren't sent to Sumter County because of your disobedience or for discipline, right? Some of you are going, I don't know why I'm here, right? But, but, but rather, God puts you here for a purpose, right? And some of you have been born here, raised here, 
and ain't never left here, right? This is home. Some of you have maybe moved away for a season and came back. Some of you moved here to take uh, part in the retirement community. Some of you moved here for work or opportunity. And, and, and no matter what season of life that you're in, no matter how you ended up here, guess what? This is home. This is where you live. This is where God has put you, and you're not here by chance. And I believe that once you begin to see your community, and once you begin to see Sumter County in that way, I believe that your mindset begins to change. Your approach begins to change. The way that you wake up and you get up and you go to work changes. The way that you interact with your teachers, your your kids' teachers at school changes. The way that you shop for groceries changes. Why? Because so often, right, my wife's like, I don't shop for groceries no more. We've been having this conversation about the Kroger pickup truck. I don't know if anybody uses that. But she's been doing Walmart pickup, but we're ready to, like, step it up another level and get them delivered to the house. Publix just costs too much, right? Um, and so, and so w- w- here's, the, here's the reality. The way that we do life and around people and with people and connected to people, God's already put us here. There's people in this room that, that, that you were invited by somebody, and I don't know. I don't know all the faces. Praise God. I look forward to meeting and getting to know you, but the reality is, is that you maybe were invited here by someone. Or you saw somebody share a post that invited you and said, I'm going to check this out. But the reality is, is we are here and God put us here. And once we see it this way, it changes everything. It changes the way that we see everything. Babylon wasn't just a place where they would, would set up and do community for a period of time. Rather, it was a place where the Lord desired to multiply. When the Israelites would be time for them to leave Babylon, you know what God wanted to do? He wanted to see a big group of people in Babylon who were worshipers of him, who were committed to him. And for some of you, Sumter County may not be your forever home. It may not. It may not be ours. But the reality is it, it is now. And that's all that we can control. And that's all that we know from this point forward is that we must live as lights in the world in the community in which God's placed us in. Because this is where, he's, this is where our homes are. This is where our people are. The, the, the challenge is, is oftentimes, I said it earlier, we make it complicated, right? We make, we make reaching people complicated because everybody has evangelism techniques. They want to give you the Romans road, the three circles, and those aren't bad things. Those are easy ways to have conversations about Jesus. But this is what I would say. I would say that when Jeremiah spoke to the Israelites, he just simply told them to do life in Babylon, right? He didn't make it complicated. Build houses, Find neighborhoods to live in or pastures, right? Um, go to, you're going to go to the schools. You're going you're gonna to have kids. You're going to raise your family. And, and I, I will fully admit, I, I coached T-ball last year. Um, bless me, Lord, for that. Uh, some of this right here is probably from T-ball. Um, but, but the reality is, is that there are so many different people that I met coaching T-ball that I never met before. I've been here eight and a half years with people that I don't, didn't know their names. There's a family coming to the next service. That, that's plugged in and involved in what we're doing, that our boys played together, we coached together, and we built a relationship through that. God will use what you allow him to use. He will use what you allow him to use. But sometimes you're like, nah, job, not my job. I'm, I'm the boss at the job. They need to know that I'm firm and I'm hard, and I don't want to be seen as soft and tender, right? I'd rather be known as, for my love for one another rather than being the tough boss that nobody likes. Because God's given you that platform for a reason. 
I, I, I believe that some of you are school teachers and you're involved in the school system. Man, how, how is God giving you that job to be able to love kids and love on families? See, we make it complicated, but all God said to the Israelites was says, build houses, plant gardens, right? Marry off your kids, raise your kids. Some of you are already doing those things. So check that box, right? You've already hit step one. Why? Because God's put you in Sumter County and you're living here. But the second part of the question and the equation is the hardest part. Are you truly seeking the welfare of the city? See, seeking the welfare of the city, I think, can be boiled down to loving the city or caring for the city. And this means everyone and everything in the city. For us, if I say city, translate it to county in your brain, okay? That's what I mean. How, how do we love those people? And for some of you, look at it, and it's the mindset that so many have had that that's the church's job. That's the church's responsibility to seek the welfare of the city. That's the church's job to love the community. Join us for the next four weeks, and I promise you, you will learn that the church is not the building, praise God. It's not a location. It's not a service time. It's us. It's the people. We can remove the chairs, tear down the building, and be in the parking lot, and guess what? We're still the church. So the church's responsibility is to seek the welfare of the city. So how do we love our city, and how do we care for our city? I think the question is, what does the church have that many people in the world don't? It's Jesus. It's the gospel. We have a life-changing message that gives hope and freedom. But yet oftentimes we say, we'll leave that to the church. Hear me today. Family church is not about Justin Davis. Family church is not about the band that sits on the stage or the people wearing the bright shirts working with your kids. Family church is all about Jesus. How do we make Jesus known in our community? How do we give them hope? Because we live in a very hopeless world today, people. We live in a hopeless world. People are seeking and wondering and searching more than they ever have. And God's saying, I sent you there for a reason. You live in whatever zip code that you live in for a purpose. You work at whatever job that you have. You think that you got that job? No, God says, be careful. I gave you that job. I gifted you with the skills and the abilities to be able to do the job that you're doing. Use that for my glory. And I don't care if it's the job that you don't really want to work every day or the job that you love and it's been your dream job for years. Use that for God's glory. See, the way that the kingdom of God multiplies is when it takes root in the lives of people. It's when it takes root in the lives of people. That's what changes a city. It's, this is when believers live everyday lives in everyday neighborhoods, in everyday workplaces, in everyday public, and they just live for Jesus. And listen to me, I don't, I don't look at this and go radically. Like, I don't, I don't expect you, unless the Holy Spirit just leads you, you fast and pray about it. I don't expect you, when I leave and pack up this building today, to be on the corner going, honk for Jesus, right? Like, that's not, when I say radically living, that's not what I expect, right? Don't tag family church on that either, right? Oh. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, think it, I think the equation's simple. Open your eyes. Look around you. Who are people that are wandering and desperate and lost? Because for some of them, guess what? They're across the street. They're next door. They're in the cubicle. They're your coworker. They're a fellow teacher or a principal. 
They're the guys under you in your shop. They're your employees. All we have to do is open our eyes and live for Jesus where he's put us. Because if we're really following Jesus, hear me today, our, our, our relationship with Christ will influence every aspect of our life. It influences how we talk. It influences what we do. It influences what we pursue. It influences every aspect of our lives. Therefore, it should influence everything that you do as a believer. I believe that we will make the greatest impact when each of us sees our lives as an instrument for God to reach people in Sumter County. The church is the church. It's not a building. It's not a place. And here's what's awesome. As I looked at the kids' registrations over the last three or four months, I believe every town, I don't think we can call them cities yet, every town in Sumter County is represented in this room today. Isn't that cool? That there is, when we leave here, we're not all going to one place. We're going to disperse across Sumter County. And man, what a difference and opportunity we get to make. And some of you are like, I didn't know Wildwood people here. I ain't coming back to this thing again, right? <laughs> Careful, right? There's Wildwood people in here that'll stand up for themselves, right? But the reality is, is God has blessed us, man. This is, this is the opportunity that we've given. Ben has a shirt on, and the band's going to come back forward. He's got a shirt on that says, we are for Sumter County. And that's not just a slogan. Some of you have seen it on social media. Some of you have seen it on other things that we've, we've put out there. Hear my heart. It's not a catchy slogan. I don't even know if it's really catchy or creative. But when we begin to pray about what God would have through Family Church, this is just the words that he put on my heart. Let's be a church for Sumter County. And hear me, Sumter County, for some of you, grow, you're born, raised, and never moved. It looks different. I get it. I understand that. But it doesn't mean that our mission field and our mission is different. God still placed us here for a reason. To, and so as a church, I, I wanted to just cast vision this morning. I wanted you to open up and say, this is our heart at Family Church. We want to be a group of people that gathers together from all over the county, that gathers together for what we're going to call family reunions every Sunday, right? We gather with our people, with our family, and we leave and we go into the community. And what we do from Sunday afternoon when we drive out of the, out of the parking lot till we come back the next Sunday is we're seeking and opening our eyes and seeing our community for what God wants to do in it. You're here on purpose, not by accident. You're here for a reason. I said earlier that I believe that God, every time that he moved me, I believe that there was a purpose for that. Eight and a half years ago, when I moved to Wildwood, Florida, I knew I was coming to do student ministry. I didn't know what was after that. But today, as I stand up here in front of you, can I tell you that I believe that when God moved me to Wildwood, Florida, he was building something in my life that was saying, Sumter County is home figure out what you can do to join me in reaching the people in this county. And so I, without a doubt, my wife and I believe that God said, plant this church. Hear me though. A church that is a building, a location, or a place will only be exciting for a moment. It's when God's people are excited. And God's people open their eyes and look at their community and say, 
I get to go be the church. I get to point people to the hope that I have that is Jesus and pray that they would have a relationship with him. Family church is a place where we want people to belong. What I mean by that is I don't want this church to just everybody to look the same. We want it to be a place that multi-ethnic, different backgrounds, different social classes. And I don't think that that's something that you pursue. I think that that's something that happens organically, that we don't invite people that just look like us. We don't share Jesus with people that just act like us or live like us, that we take the gospel to the world and the world involves all of those people. I guess you could say, I want the church to look like the community. I want it to be a place where we love one another. I don't want South End to sit on this side or North End to sit on this side. I want it to be a place where we come in together and we say, man, this is cool. I'm getting to build relationships with people who live in Sumford County just as long as I had. I just didn't know their name. By your love, they will know that you're my disciples. People know when they walk into a room trying to get back into church for the first time, first time in a long time, or have questions and are wandering through the desert and the wilderness, they feel the love or they feel the awkwardness. My encouragement is you love one another as believers are to do. You may not know a name. You may not know the face. You, you may have never met the person, but what's, we're called to love one another. We want to see our county not for how it's changed, Hear this one, not for what we wish was different, but with an eyes and a heart that seeks the welfare of the county. South Enders that are in the room, hear me today. There's going to be transformation over the next five to ten years. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Hear that with my heart. I understand change is hard and transformation and traffic, right? People, I lived in Jacksonville, Florida. This, y'all don't have traffic here. It's not a thing. Um, but the reality is, is that God is bringing people here and trusting his church, which is us, to point those people to Jesus. What a responsibility that I'm saying, sign me up for, Lord. Let me be a part of it. Let me join you in what you're doing. But I will tell you this today. It starts with a commitment to Jesus. We can have a vision, we can dream dreams, we can, we can plan things, but unless we are truly following Jesus, this stuff just sounds good, but it's nothing we'll ever live out. So maybe you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You say, ah, I'll check church out. I don't, I don't know what it is, I don't know what it means. Maybe as a kid, you're like, I thought I was a follower, but there's really nothing in my life that points to a relationship with Jesus. And I would love to talk to you more about what it means to follow Christ. Maybe you're in here today and circumstances and things in your life have led you to walk away from the Lord. Let me tell you, I have a prodigal story. It may not be on the level that yours is, but the reality is, is that I wandered from the Lord and I came back to the Lord because where I thought I would find hope, I never found hope. And the things that I thought I would find hope in, I never found hope in. I have truly only ever felt the freedom and the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in here today and you're pursuing the Lord and you're just saying, I want to plug in and connect somewhere. I want to be a part of this movement that we're calling Family Church. I'll encourage you with what I encouraged some of our launch team people a couple weeks ago. Seek the Lord, 
when you find him, stick with him and ask him, Lord, what do I need to do to join you in what you're doing? So in your home, when you drive home today, whether it's two minutes away or it's 15 minutes away, as you're driving, ask the Lord, God, what can I do? How can I join you in what you're already doing? Because hear me this morning. I want you to hear it from my mouth. Just because Family Church showed up doesn't mean that God isn't already working. God's been working far before Family Church was even an idea, a thought, or a dream. He's already doing things in this community, and he's looking at us going, will you join me? Will you be a part of what I want to do in this community? Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. Thank you for listening to the message this week. If you want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus or about Family Church, please go check out our website at familychurchsumter.com. 